0: All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast. As always, Jeremy Moss hanging out, Eli Bedker Website, of course, MWWire.com, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Instagram, check it out, Mountain West Wire. And uh, happy, I guess uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday, and we're going to talk hoops.
1: That's right. Hopefully uh, our boy Jay Ajayi scores today. That'd be pretty awesome.
0: Heck yeah, we'll see what happens. We uh, recording earlier in the day. We know people probably aren't going to listen on Sunday, but we're going to watch the game. We want to get it out early in the day so it's something available for you because while well, 100 million people watch it, that's still 200 million people who don't watch it. That's right. So, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance of millions <laughs> of downloads. <laughs> but no, we want it out of the way. People, Most people we know listen Monday and stuff and all that. That's great, but we're here early in the day, so if you get a chance, maybe even before the Super Bowl, if I get my act together post-early, give a quick hour listen. But well, you know what I figured out about basketball shows? It's different than football. What's that? It's not as fun. Football, yeah, we go through every game, essentially. Basketball, it's more about the stories than actual games most of the time. So I I think that would be more interesting because it's hard to watch every game. I admit I don't watch every game. I try to watch clips here and there. I watch some full games if it's a good one. But I'm not watching San Jose State New Mexico. Sorry, guys. Probably not going to watch that game.
1: (laughs) That's the thing with like following a a baseball team, though, because if if you're going to follow a baseball team for an entire season, you're dedicating about 500 hours. But for football, if you say you're root for the I don't know the Patriots or something, you're going to watch about 50 hours of uh, of game time. So yeah, it, it is easier to to follow along with football. But with basketball, you definitely follow the headlines. I mean, you take the take the NBA, where pretty much all of the headlines are just what someone said about someone else, or which team some guy's going to get traded to. So it's definitely headline driven for sure.
0: Exactly. So here's what we're gonna do tonight. We're going to um, talk about this stuff. Talk about so, where's some game stuff we talk about? We're talking about all sorts of stuff. We got Larry Nance Junior. news, obviously. Larry Stacey. Oh boy, uh, we got some. We got some interesting takes of what will happen with that. So, we will get to all that momentarily here. And uh, where should we start? Should we start? I guess go with Stacey since that's a big news that happens. Was it Saturday morning? I believe. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. So, what is your first take when you saw he's uh, administrative leave? I think.
1: I think it's probably expected. I don't think that they're going to just announce his termination right on the spot. Um, so our, our buddy Justin Michael, who is a, a student reporter for the Collegian, I believe, reported earlier this week that um, uh, Athletic Director Joe Parker is going to interview the program's coaches and players and assistants about Larry Eustachy's conduct. And this isn't the first time that that's been discussed in Fort Collins, obviously he Larry she has a pretty uh, substantial history with conduct issues, uh, which stems all the way back to his time with Iowa State, which is quite a while ago. So
0: And Southern Miss. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, he's had his fair share of off-court and on-court issues, but this one seems a bit more serious because it, it seems like Colorado State is more... Um, willing to listen to opinions of, of players that are involved players or coaches that are involved with the program so uh, Joe Parker has been speaking to just about anyone that has that has any sort of connection with Eustachy, and that has led to um, his, his ability to step away from the program and that allows Steve Barnes the associate head coach to step in and be the acting head coach for right now which he was last night against Nevada so it's it's definitely a possibility, and I, I think it probably is the conclusion that Larry Eustachy has coached his last game with Colorado State.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, did you see what Eric Musselman was drinking on the sidelines? <laughs> I did see that from Jeff Grammer. Yeah, ah, uh, go with the Diet Pepsi. Man. As Eustachy loves his Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. So, but here's the thing: this, there's an article. I, I think I found it here. It's hard to find just because when I was looking yesterday and to find out that 2015 article. Here's the thing: there's a. Um, like, I've been in this situation before, like, high-level – not as high-level, but Division One athletics doing things. Coaches yells. Like, I was in an argument with a guy on Twitter on our account. You can find it if you want on MWC Wire. He's like, oh, he's fine. It's not You're afraid of him saying the F word. I'm like, no, that's not an issue at all with me. Coaches swear, coaches yell for motivation. That's a given, and it just depends how far you go with that. Because it's – I'll give some examples with Rick Majerus University of Utah in a little bit, but this goes beyond just saying – like getting in his face and like, or like, Hey, maybe like grab his arm or position. Like, Hey, you want to stand right here by kind of getting in your face, like do this, do that. I've been to be many practices, BYU football. They're swearing going on there. And people, Oh, they don't I'm like, yes, they're swearing going on at BYU football or basketball. Maybe not basketball as much. Cause I'm not as close, but football practice from there. You'll hear the occasional swear word. I'm like, what do you mean? Yes, that happens. People are like shocked. No, that's the case. It's not that what's going on here. It's more of what, Dave Wojcik at San Jose State, there's allegations of, was it um, gay slurs, or I believe, or something, inappropriate talk to players. Wasn't that the case with Wojcik? Mm-hmm. At least, not nothing proved, but that's kind of what was said was going on. This is more along the lines of emotional stuff, getting in your face, yelling. at like it's, it's, There's a difference, unless you've been there, it's maybe it's hard for people to tell the difference, like who I'm chatting with. Or talking with because I've been there like yeah I did water poll but our coach would get heated and yell and stuff he would swear and throw crap against the wall just being upset okay that happens I don't think that's over the line that's a big deal he never called anybody out by name like outside of like hey do your job or do bad like basically it's a it's like a, it's, it's it's a motivational tactic which may or may not work at times our coach would yell some of us go into water and kind of giggle because he when he broke flipped out it's kind of funny a little bit <laughs> but it's like he would get you sometimes like oh throw something like oh crap what's going on you pay attention better or more but he would never say you are terrible at x y and z or anything personal about you or anything about it is like just he would just be yelling more of an instruction type of way to set up or do what you need to do or do this better it wasn't anything personal about yourself or anything say like Religion, race, anything you believe, in, anything like that is all just about the situation itself and getting animated and heated. That's, I don't, to me, I don't think that's that big of a deal. It was nothing personal. I would never felt, or anybody out there would feel bad about it. It may be for a second, just like, oh crap, I need to do better, one of those things, but not like it would be emotionally terrible. Like, I don't want to be here. It's not safe. I feel uncomfortable. It's more than one of those things. Like, oh crap, I gotta play better or step up my game. One of those things. From what I've seen and read, what's going on, it's more than just that.
1: It definitely seems that way, and I think there's something to be said about uh, like the difference between motivation and the difference between uh, like knocking your own players down or or Hecker. hurling swirls or slurs at them or just all different sorts of things. I mean, there are plenty of coaches nationwide. Every we can make the assumption every single coach has their own motivational techniques that call for things like swearing or uh, physical motions, like maybe throwing something. Um, I I remember I I was at the PK-80 tournament down in Portland a few months ago, and I was sitting pretty close to the North Carolina bench where Roy Williams was at, and during one of the timeouts, he took his sharpie and threw it against the floor, and it soared all the way up, I think 10 rows deep, uh, into the stands. But I guess the point that I'm making here is, there's There's just a fine line to be said between what goes as motivation, what goes as verbal abuse, and it seems from what all the reports have 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 surfaced over the last decade or so about Eustace's conduct as head coaches and in multiple locations that um, he's been struggling with that line and, and he doesn't know what what goes and what doesn't go so
0: because wasn't there yeah. did they start videotaping practices back in 2015 after this stuff came up?
1: yeah it was an internal investigation um against eustatcey because the ex athletic director Jack Graham actually made a significant effort to fire eustatcey because of his conduct, but he was let go and and then the um current athletic director stepped in who's who seems to be fairly content with eustay's conduct until up until about a week ago as far as we know
0: and also a couple things like here i I found a few articles from twenty fifteen um part of the reason he probably wasn't like at the time, $4.8 million was his buyout at the time. So that's tough to swallow for a team where when your football program, because it brings in most of the money, but their TV deal overall brings in maybe one and a half million at most, just from like media rights and TV stuff. So that's three years worth of money from TV to get rid of a coach. So that's part of it too. And also with it being his, I don't want to say first time because we've seen this behavior before. So it shouldn't be a shock that this, would come up at all whether it be a one-time incident where he snaps or it's an ongoing thing like it seems to be at the case right now because coaches have behavior issues that may come up every now and then like not to excuse it but you may see it bits and pieces but this seems like a more ongoing situation and so maybe once it came out all right let's give him a chance he's doing part of it too a couple things they are winning, doing well and he costs a lot of money to fire Those are equations, and I'll get into my stuff with Rick Majerus in a minute here later on, but those are key factors why you fire don't fire a coach. Because if you see – like, obviously, look at Bobby Knight. Look what it took to get rid of him in Indiana. It took a lot to get rid of that guy. Mm -hmm. People still wanted him around after him choking or was it shoulder – was it choking one of the players? I believe was it what finally did it. In he, yeah, he had a number of uh, yeah, obviously, but well. there's that video, the grainy video of him grabbing a player in the shoulder neck area. But here's the thing: like, and there's players too, like you see Glenn Cable, or Gene Clavel saying he should be around. Co- players coming to his defense. Who was it? Wasn't Prince uh, Nixon last night had something on his mm-hmm. shoe, wanting to stage to hang around. Here's a couple of things. Here's a former player. It's from the Colorado. It's uh, Daniel Bizar- Bizarano, Is that correct? I believe so. I'm sure, I'll go with it, right? Yeah. There's an article written in 2015 about, um, so like, what's it really like to play for Larry Stacey? He put some stuff in here, um, again, 2015. But here's the thing some of the arguments we're getting. Hey, let me ask you this, um, Eli. How good are the Rams' offense at running plays consistently or running set plays, you think? This year? Or, or, are, or just in Stacey? general, like, their offense hasn't been that great unless you have no. like, Gene Clavel doing something. here. And so the people who come on Twitter say, hey, well, he's a great X-S and nose guy. I'm like, no, he's not he's not he's not at all he's basically a motivator and this exactly sums up exactly who he is um, the second part's a quote but the first part is just kind of Matt Stevens with his information from a couple years ago you you see Stacey isn't a coach at least not by the common modern standard his work in player development is non-existent again hence why do all these guys transfer as well because we mentioned last year oh, maybe yeah. year and a year and a half ago he's had only a couple players who spent four, four signed national letter of intent to graduation whether it be four or five years, it was very it was like two or three players, I believe. Very it was small. so
1: slim. There have been so many players that have transferred out of the program.
0: Yeah. So there's there's many reasons, but coach maybe one reason for that. But he goes, he works in player development, is non existent. He's a hands off recruiter, and on the rare occasion draws up a play during the huddle. It's typically done by the players or associate head coach is Leonard Leonard Perry. Um not sure if he's there now hours at the time. This is Bizarro saying this. What he Stacy does is yell a lot and about everything. Exact quote from him. With Larry things could be fine, then the snap of your finger, something flips the switch. Larry's very often and on. And to his credit, I'll say there's passion. And no, he doesn't make a lot of adjustments, but he tries to get us going with yelling. And most of it will motivate you, but sometimes it's like, Come on, what are you doing? And so it's like he just yells to yells, it seems like. It's not a-
1: yeah, I mean there they're just there's so many different coaching styles. I mean I know that uh, I watch a lot of Purdue basketball. Obviously, Matt Painter's more laid back. He just kind of takes things as he sees them, makes adjustments. I think the first thing we need to mention is you say a good coach, and I mean he's won multiple conference coach of the year awards. I mean, just a few months ago, uh, he was named Mountain West Conference coach coach of the year for guiding a, a relatively. Um, I mean, they had Gene Clavel and they had Emmanuel Magbo, but the team was not expected to be good last year and they fell just a game short of winning both the regular season and conference titles. I think, I think you're right in saying he's not as good of an X and O's coach as a lot of people say he is. He's never really had that many great offensive teams. Um, been relying a lot on go-to scores, as we saw, especially last year with Gene Clavel, and now that Prentice Nixon and, and J.D. Page have led this year's offense, um, they, they've been pretty inefficient just they haven't been able to drop that many successful plays for either of those two guys but uh, I think he's a consensus top three team in the mountain west I don't think anyone can argue that and um, so losing a guy like Stacy would be a major hit to the Colorado State program but maybe they can bounce back and make a quality higher i I just think as if I'm in a position of Colorado state you you need to find out to you need to figure a way to terminate his contract uh, for a cause because otherwise you have to eat that buyout. And then that's like you said, the revenue. What's well, less for, now? Yeah. Yeah. So I think
0: it's, a, I think it's about $3 million because this was two years ago. So I think it's around 3 million if I'm correct.
1: It's, it's still, I mean, it's still a massive total. It's oh, not yeah. something that Carlos they can just sign off on and, and go find another coach. Oof. So it, it's a, it's a program that's definitely cash strapped right now. And they need to find a way to terminate his contract with cause. And it seems like the program could be on, a bit of a lull these next few years until they can can bring some talent in though so they do have a, a number of juco transfers coming in next season that should be pretty good but yeah a lot of transfers have left this program even though they knew what they were signing up for and Larry Eustachy and his staff and it just uh it seems like it's coming to a bitter end this is we've had issues with L- Larry Eustachy in the past with Connick and things like that but it feels like this is probably the final chapter
0: it, it has to be. And also, it's like at the end of the article, again, just a couple years old, but because he's coached at Utah State, he's coached at Southern Miss, he's coached at Idaho, he's coached at um, Iowa State. The last little line basically says, the only thing that changes the roster, not the coach, which is a decent way to say it. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, that's, it's true. And and he has done a good job. Like looking through his career winning percentage is at, is at 618, which is really good. He's had, four, four, I believe, four losing seasons ever. He had... Let's see. Uh, none at Idaho. None at Utah State. He had one at Iowa State. He had two, three at Southern Miss. four total, and then two other seasons. Or excuse me, yeah, two other seasons at five hundred records. So basically, uh, yeah, four seasons overall with for since nineteen ninety consecutively. So it's what twenty eight years without a, with four losing records and multiple NCAA tournament bursts, NIT runs, stuff like that. So he's like he's he won
1: coach of the year in two thousand too. So, uh, national coach of the year, yeah, yeah, he
0: won, uh, or yeah, 32 and five, he went to the lead eight with uh, Iowa State. But the thing is, it's more, it's let me get myself with Rick Mageres. Like, I wasn't around here in Utah when he's, when he's there, but he was still like, I I came like before, I need to look up his Wikipedia page, but I was at the University of Utah when he's kind of wrapping up his career. Like, he wasn't, Utah wasn't as great as they were, they're still pretty good, but not going to like the lead eights, national title games. They're like guys like Andre Miller. Keith Van Hoer, Michael Doliak, those type of guys, Andrew Bogut. They weren't having um, as great as season. They're still good, but they weren't, like, dominant. Like, it's basically them in Arizona out west. That's about it forever in UCLA time to time. It was basically those teams. He left Utah in 04. Funny joke I have. Like, I'd swim all the time. He'd be out there, quote, unquote, swimming, but floating on his back in the in the university pool. Not a good sight to see because he's a large <laughs> man in his trunks. Oh, man. <laughs> but the thing with him, like, yes, you get some leeway if you're winning. And some fans from CSU, Well, oh, he's winning. They'll be back to irre- irre- irrelevancy. Here's a like, Rams have never been, like, just terrible at basketball. Tim Miles, good coach. They had a... Uh, wasn't Stu Morrill their coach for a little while, too? I believe. I'm, yeah,
1: I'm trying to pull up their history right now. Like,
0: they're not a team that's been, like, bottom of the whack or Mountain West forever. They've been just okay. They've never had... Mo- all, like, the NC tournament appearances haven't been great. They had... Stacey, Tim Miles, took them at least one or two. They've been just basically average. Like, not great, but not good, which people don't want that. They want to be good and great. But if you're great at winning, you'll have some more leeway, which you've seen a lot of jobs or coaching positions. But with Rick Majerus, he would probably do things worse. Because, seriously, we also don't know exactly what Larry Stacey Stacy's doing outside of, like, emotional abuse. That's where the most we have get about this, from correct, right?
1: Right, and the investigation... That surfaced well it was an investigation in 2013 2014 but it surfaced last February that gave far more details than what uh, this past week has shown but a lot of insults and slurs to the players and, and a lot of uh, maybe offensive physical actions that he took during practices and, and closed facilities but yeah I mean there's a there's a lot of substance behind what Eustacey's conduct has been since he's um, signed the contract to be in Fort Collins
0: Part of it, too, they didn't have enough to build, like, some NCAA case. I'm fine back in 2015 in August. So it's – I'm trying to – I wish I had all the timeline and everything up here. But back to uh, Rick Majerus, like, people know – even Utah today, people still go, oh, they should be a pretty good team. Even though they've had multiple coaches have just been okay, like Luke Neville, Sweet 16. That's about it. Nothing really amazing in the past while. But he would yell and break players. I don't think he ever, like, actually grabbed players. But one of the kind of famous stories, like – if you're in Utah, a lot of people are the LDS faith. Because it's even though it's not as much as BYU, but a lot of basketball players who are really good in state will stay here if they're good enough to play for Utah, who's a top 15 team for, what, decades straight or 15 years. And also some stories he would advert... Uh, purposely knowing his team's going to be, at worst, a four-seed at NCAA tournament, they would just lose whack WAC tournament and just play some random lineup just to get two days extra rest. It's like, what's <laughs> the point? Am I really going to get a two-seed or a three-seed? No, I'm going to be a three-seed regardless. Not a big deal. I'm not going to get a one-seed. Like, he would – like, it was known – it would only happen a couple times, but unless his team was known to, we're going to get a number-one seed or there's a, a tight fit between the seed line between one through four – he would really bring it up and play in the tournament. Well, but there's times, you know, screw it, we'll lose it in the semifinals, not a big deal. We'll especially when they're in a 16 team whack. That's crazy. Like he would just kind of whatever. We'll play our bench guys, get them some extra playing time. If we win, great. If not, what's our seed going to be? Instead of being the uh, seventh spot on the two line, will be the eighth spot. You know what I mean? Or the top mm-hmm. three, top on the three line, not a big deal. But he would do like religious stuff where it was something about like because a lot of people, like a lot of people, say faith when they go to University of Utah for the uh, Mormon faith. He would say. Stuff like, if you believe in this, how can you not believe in me, this player, pick and roll. It's like, and, pl- and, and players did transfer because of that. It's kind of silly, but it seems silly, but it's like, well, that's not really what you should be yelling the players at. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And so it's like stuff like that where I don't know if it it's te- overly personal, but it was stuff where, yeah, you believe in. It's like the slur is like, okay, religious slur, racial slur, sexual orientation slur. It's like you can't do those type of things. It's like you can coach and be in their face and be yelling but you can't like do those other things because it's not a great thing to do. It just, it's just petty. And he had leeway. He never got fired. I forget exactly how he left, but he, there's all sorts of stories about that type of stuff. He'd say during practice Uh, and he would treat people differently depending who you were. Like if like, he would be the guy, like you're not a good player. You're on the bench, whatever. Yeah. If our star player, say Andre Miller did something, he may not get as much trouble as number 12 guy in the bench. He did stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, coaches don't always say that but that's kind of true sometimes so he would do stuff like that and but if you're going to national title games doing is what he doing what he did as well as he did you're gonna stick around probably and also 10 years ago there wasn't like 15 whenever it was 04 not as much stuff on facebook no twitter stuff like that's not around to see every little thing not that this Eustace stuff went that way around because they took him two years to build a case but there's more people talking about it, more people get into it. You see all these players with the Rams saying, yeah, keep your station around. He's doing a good job. But then you see other players like, no, he should be gone. Hope they have a new head coach. And so with this being the second time around, there's no way he survives this. Zero chance. I'll say right now, I will say there will be a new head coach for the Rams next season.
1: Definitely, yeah. I, and another thing we have to consider is the point in time in which we're at right now in 2018 when almost every day you can log on to social media and find out that um, a, a famous celebrity um, or someone... In,
0: in, TMZ, in, man, TMZ, right?
1: Yeah, but like any, any popular person in Hollywood or, or any sort of uh, major landscape in, in media or sports or film or anything like that has been accused of harassment or, or the like and the things that were maybe tolerated or did not make the headlines two, three years ago. Uh, make the headlines now and and so i think if you say she sticks around which i think there's zero chance of that happening it would be such a terrible look for colorado state um, just from a pr standpoint and i just don't see that happening so i hope the fans at least realize that first of all i think you you have to wish him the best of luck because he's been going through his own struggles for as long as we can remember um, especially with alcohol abuse and stuff like that, which I, a lot of people like to make fun of, but really isn 't that funny um, nope. more of a disease than anything so you, you from a from a perspective of just a human to a human, you hope he gets the um, the help that he needs but besides the point, I think from a head coaching perspective, fans need to realize that there 's a difference between dropping f bombs or or motivating their players as opposed to um, slurs and insults and and personal abuse and things like that. So I think that Eustace has has crossed that line, and he's done it before, and I think that this is probably the door for him.
0: Yeah, and and part of it too, the former AD wanted him out, but he got the curb kick to the curb instead. There are other reasons Jack Graham left. He's more of a business guy who got the AD job, which is kind of interesting a couple years ago, or however long ago it was now. But he wanted wanted him gone. It's like he recommends to be gone. But no, no, Jack Graham's gone instead. And now Tony Franks have an issue, too. Like, if he keeps him around, there's no – he might not have a job either. The president of the university. Like, I, sports is a big deal. I know Rams, CSU has a huge endow, endowment, and they're more than just sports and stuff. But if you keep a coach who had two incidents, and it's one of them took a two-year case to build to make sure of all the information, right? Because the Colorado and everybody else did it, right? They didn't just, oh, we have this thing that might have happened. No. They took two years. I would on Twitter. Well, it took them two years. Why did it take them two years? I'm like, well, so you want to be right. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. – how do you like look at for like football stuff? Just for example, like NCAA, NCAA stuff, like the thing on the University of Miami a couple of years ago, or the thing with Pryor at all prior to Ohio State. It takes years to build. Even Reggie Bush over at USC, it takes years to build stuff. Like I remember reading the uh, thing on the Miami football players. I think it was Charles Robinson who did most of the work at Yahoo. I re- it was like a huge report article. Not just that, but if you click on links of players. It would take you to each individual player that was alleged or maybe even confirmed by all the sources. Here's why they're involved in this situation. Instead of going to like a player profile page, it's like a, a player profile page. So Instead of being stats, game logs, it was this date player was alleged to be in, on this yacht with, the I forget the guy's name, but player X allegedly received out $400 in jewelry or free meals for a month. Every weekend for a year at this restaurant, stuff like that. He had pages and links upon links. This stuff takes time to build. So people who are like journalism think, like, well, why don't you publish a million times a day? It's like, well, you want to be right because if you're wrong on stuff like that, it's a big deal. And with it being second time around, there's no way. And then one thing that's also very peculiar, which could come back to haunt um, Tony Fring right now. Wait, who's, who's the AD at the moment? Do you have that name? Are you familiar with who that is?
1: Yeah. Um, Jack, no, not Jack Graham. Uh, Joe Parker.
0: Joe Parker. So he's mm-hmm. got a raise and a five-year extension just months ago. I just pull up right now. So he, they gave him a – he's got – I don't know. It's whatever. I don't know because it's weird. Like when you have involvement ball here. stuff about GMs in football or in basketball, you want the GM before the coach or whatever. This isn't his hire, which would seem to me this should be an easy decision for Parker to say, see ya. I inherited you as a head coach, and look what you're doing. You're embarrassing the university. I don't want you around like this would seem like an easy way to get rid of him because he wants his guy in there. It's, but also-
1: yeah, it's it's just such terrible timing because um the, the time of the extension, because I believe he's under contract until 2021 now mm-hmm. with that massive buyout with the fact that he's gone from the coach of the year for the Mountain West to what the team currently is, which is just slightly better than San Jose State and Air Force at the bottom of the Mountain West. The attendance has been awful. Uh, the program is just kind of in a downswing right now, and they need, they need a change of scenery at some point. And this, the recent headlines do not make things any better at all.
0: Also, what's also an issue I'd see, like, if you read Matt Stevens, he's been around for a while. He's at the Denver Post at the moment before the Colorado and They put Steve Barnes as interim coach. Um, that may not have been the smartest plan. Steve Barnes apparently is a clone of Larry Eustacey. Because a quote here from a source, an article: All Barnes does is echo every negative thing that comes out of Larry's mouth. He's just as bad. He's a mouthpiece for Coach and a yes man. Who is? It, wait,
1: sorry, who was it that said that?
0: It's just as a source. It's not, not okay. nobody specific. So okay, probably odds are former player, of some sort, or team manager that make the most sense. First one, I'll repeat those one more time. The first source said, "All Barnes does is echo every negative thing that comes out of Larry's mouth. He's just as bad." Another person. He's a mouthpiece for Coach Eustachy and a yes man. He's also an enabler, and so in mm-hmm. other sources as well, echo the same sentiment. Those are the only quotes there, but multiple sources from previous Rams teams under Eustachy have said the exact same thing about Barnes. He has been with Eustachy at Southern Miss, Iowa State, and Utah State in the same position. And then when, yeah. when asked, yeah, and then when asked in the post game about stuff like that, I basically had no comments afterwards.
1: I think if you're around someone for that long working in a professional atmosphere, I think you start to uh, morph your own personality into what the other person or the more dominant personality is. So mm-hmm. I, that would not shock me. I don't know that much about the, the Colorado State coaching staff uh, outside of Eustachie, but, I mean, it it just is what it is. So it, maybe they have to clean house. It's possible yeah. if, if, uh, if that's what it needs to – if that's what – it takes to to start a new page for Colorado State but yeah there's a there's a bug that's in Fort Collins right now that definitely needs to um, leave fairly soon and uh, that's that has to be the conclusion if you're Colorado State there, there's no other way to get around this
0: and his the really one last thing before I mention who I have a really good replacement who could be the coach if that comes to the comes to be so right now Eustace's salary this season is $985,000 and 12 cents or excuse me <laughs> let me rephrase that nine hundred eighty-five dollars Based whatever and twelve dollars whatever almost a million bucks which has been extended one season three times gives him a two percent raise every year and so do you have i wish i had this in front of me do you know what his contract status is at the moment
1: you mean uh money this, wise or how much or he's making lengthwise i believe he's under contract until 2021 after the extension
0: so that would that's what four, three more years oh yeah here it is this is back there in october 2016 Google's amazing, love it. <laughs> but extended <laughs> through twenty twenty one, so that would be, I guess, if you count, we're in what twenty eighteen, so that's two more seasons, no, three more seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his buyout is, but typically a buyout is your base salary. About that's almost three million dollars. That's what people. It's a huge.
1: It's a huge buyout considering what the the program financials are right now.
0: So basically, his contract could top out a, in the final year if he stays this long would be one point oh four, basically just over a million dollars. One point oh four million would be including bonuses for, like, it could be, like, 20 more games, NCAA tournament uh, appearances, winning conference title, conference tournament. So it could go up quite a bit. But um, if the contract – okay, here's here's the part I want to see here. The contract includes substantial penalties should either side try to terminate it early. Much like the seven and a – oh, football, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I mean, Stacey would owe CSU 4.4 – oh, this is a pretty big deal. This is upcoming year, so glad I found this. And we'll get to other basketball stuff, too. This is just a big deal, folks. Eustace would owe Colorado State $4.5 4, point 4. five million if he were to leave the school prior to June thirtieth, 2018. So, meaning, takes another job. Mm-hmm. Which, not the case. This is more, oh, found a new job. And it would decrease to, like, two point two five next year, $1.125, and so on. So, that's if he were to get a new job, which, at this point in time, does not seem the case. Um Stacy would owe base salary okay, here's if he was like go. Eustace would owe um would owe uh, sorry. Jeez, I'm reading sorry, excuse me this backwards here. CSU would owe Eustace his base pay for the year, which he was let go and the following year's pay, multiplied by however many years left on the contract at the time. So whatever basically what I said, whatever's left in the contract, what he what could be due to him. But didn't you find something in this contract you meant, mentioned or maybe messaged me about there's this possibility could be for cause due to behavior issues?
1: Yeah, so there are a number of uh, stipulations in his contract that mention things like uh, like alcohol. There there was one thing that I think was about a paragraph in the contract that mentioned alcohol abuse and if in any way alcohol would infect his performance as a head coach, he'd be terminated. There's another thing that surfaced after the 2014 investigation that said that he would be given a zero-tolerance policy and any violation uh, of, of conduct regulations for the university would result in, in him being fired so the difference between with cause and without cause is uh, whether the buyout comes into place as as far as i understand so that's a big deal for colorado state because that could result in the university paying millions of dollars to eustachie whether they whether or not they can get his firing for cause or or without cause
0: i would think this would be for cause right it,
1: it would have to be but but colorado state would have to prove that what Eustachy, what, what the reports say of Eustachy are true. But knowing his history, I don't think that would be too difficult to prove, but we can't we can't say for sure either way.
0: All right, so let me ask you this. It seems like a new coach is on their way. I'm going to give you a hypothetical of, of a new coach, who, who it could okay. be. Well, no, not hypothetical. This is an actual person, flesh and blood. <laughs> this is an alumni of the university, a 13-year pro career overseas and in the U.S., Olympian, and has NBA assistant coaching experience. How fast would you sign that coach?
1: I, yeah, I would immediately do it. I think up until the one, last one or two um, highlights there, you probably could have uh, still filled out an application for Gene Clavel, but that's not the case so far. He doesn't have any assistant coaching experience. But, uh, yeah, yeah, go right ahead.
0: Becky Hammond, current assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs.
1: I would be so amped about that hire. That would be amazing. That, that would be so good for the university.
0: This like it it'd be do a lot of things. First off, okay, it's not a higher. Oh, she's a woman just because woman. It's like people get upset about that because, as we mentioned pre-show, people are during this new Star Wars movie trying to create bots to take the reviews of Rotten Tomatoes because there's too many female characters in Star Wars. <laughs> or you have the upcoming Black Panther movie because, okay, it's I believe I believe the Black Panther. I know well, obviously Black Panther, African black person. I believe the fictional country is in Africa or makes it look like it. So a lot of African people, people of color, black people, in the movie, uh, I believe of one of the female leads or one of black Panthers, uh, right hand persons is a late female fighter. So it's like, people are trying to do the same thing for that. People are dumb. People are stupid about this type of stuff. But if you just look at her credentials, like who cares if man or woman, how like you can just do, honestly, um, 13 year pro career and alumni. Do you, That'd be a little questionable. Like, okay, what coaching experience? But this she's worked a- alongside Greg Popovich. I mean, like, how many? Popovich. How many more prerequisites do you need? Olympians. It's this would be like the best hire they could possibly make. Will they do it? It would. Co- I think it would cause a lot of heat. It shouldn't. But it's like also if you look at uh, Gino um, Gino over at UConn, women's coach, or even it for me at BYU, you have um, oh shoot, oh, what's his name? Crap. Jeff Judkins, who played under Rick Majerus at University of Utah. There's talk about if Dave Rose would ever get let go at BYU, have him slide over, or even maybe take the University of Utah job when open up. But, well, he's coaching women's basketball. This person's coach, Becky Hammond' is coaching in the freaking NBA and mm-hmm. has been talked about as management positions, like GM positions, across the, league the past couple years.
1: I mean, if okay, if you take 30 head coaches in the NBA, the – the one that's at the number thirty-one spot is Becky Hammond right now. I think <laughs> I think one thing that you need to mention, though, or that we need to mention, is that to be brutally honest, I think Becky Hammond could probably take a better job than Colorado State men's basketball right now. I mean, I think if you see some NBA coaching head coaching jobs open up Bucks, uh, in the, in the spring or good. summer, she. Taste- I mean, she's been rumored to go a number of places as a head coach in the NBA. So. No, has she? Maybe has she been a bit for? A reach.
0: It, but has she been for head coach? I heard just like GM or assistant GM positions. Has it actually been? I sh- she,
1: there, there have been rumors for her as a head coach, but I think okay. a, a front office position is also uh, not out of the picture. But I think the uh, fact she's an alumni is awesome. She has such a terrific background. Anyone associated in media or or, uh, or coaching knows just how knowledgeable she is about basketball. So if they were able to pull it off, that would be an incredible hire. But um, and it, the first first uh, female basketball head coaching hire in men's basketball, so that'd be pretty awesome. Well, Division but, One basketball, yeah, I Division One. Uh, but it it might be a reach because I think that she's probably in the mix for an NBA front office job or a head coaching NBA job.
0: But to be honest, she will, I'm Like, not this is not me saying it, but what people perceive, she's not going to get an NBA coaching job. I don't think because female, which is stupid, obviously. And because, you know, there will be NBA – like, like said, Jason Kidd, that spot's open. Who knows what position will be open in the league? I haven't followed NBA extremely close this year, but there's always a couple of openings here and there. While it shouldn't be considered the big jump, you're an assistant coach for three – what's she going on, year three or four? Yeah, four. With, uh, mm-hmm. Four. So, like, she would make sense, but a team – like, this is not me speaking, but, like, what society other people would go about or who's making the decision – I get your point, like going to college after being an NBA coach, assistant coach for three years. But it's, you get what I'm saying. People won't like it. That's the thing. It's going to be hard for her. They're going to want to say, prove it. You've never coached men before outside of, but you get Greg Popovich. She does all the coaching. They'll see all these qualifiers, but this, but this, but this to be an NBA coach. But you never, it's just that type of thing, even though she's coached men for the past couple years. It shouldn't be a big deal. But what I'm saying is, it's going to be a big deal. And going to CSU compared to any NBA team, even if you go to Milwaukee, that's going to be opened up sooner. Who knows whatever job that could be opened up that's not like a huge market, like whatever, you know I mean, Knicks, LA, stuff like that, going to Cleveland or big-time big, big t- time teams, Boston, those type of jobs. Going to CSU would be a point where it's like the stepping stone thing where, yes, if you want to be this particular coach, my ultimate goal is to be an NBA coach. But I need to be a head coach somewhere first. And just due to she being female, they may, it's like the proven thing. You need to prove you can coach, be the head coach at any university or any NBA. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I'm not, that's like she would be, make fine as an NBA coach, but you get my point where it's going there's going to be a lot of hesitation, even though she's on a great team, coaching good players. But I think they want to see her be the guy before she gets that job as a head coach. A lot of stuff to go through, which is unfortunate to be her ultimate goal, which I think is NBA head coach. But I think going to CSU would give her a good opportunity to build her resume to say, okay, I've been a head coach. It's my team. That's my point where I think why CSU could be more likely to the NBA, even if she stays at CSU for like four or five years. That's that's all I agree. Does that make sense when I'm getting at there of why this could be they could grab her if they wanted to as a coach?
1: Yeah, I, I think you could definitely bring up some good points. I think there are definitely things that are working for her, definitely things that are working against
0: her. But no, know that, no. Be know honest. They yeah. know. There's one thing against her, and that's it. There's only one thing. That's all.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, not to plug my own work, but just to yes, or do it. To go, do it. Uh, one uh, way <laughs> on on Athletic Director U, which I posted a couple articles on there. Same place that I posted that transfer article. I uh, I and a few others did a research on uh, discrimination in college basketball head coaching hires, and so the, the difference between firing and hiring rates for minorities and Caucasians as well as uh, females and males on, on the women's basketball side. and I mean not to get political but it just it's not a level playing field. I mean know that the Big Ten conference has a, twice as high of a firing rate as any other conference in Division one basketball even though their minority coaches have I think the third or fourth highest winning percentage. So it's it, the, the odds are stacked against Becky Hammond. But the fact that she's so knowledgeable about what she does and how she goes about her business um, makes her such a viable candidate. So she is the head coach for the San Antonio Spurs Summer League team, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's right. She did a little bit of that as well, yeah. So that is, I mean, that's another notch on her resume that she, I mean, I know it's Summer League, but it is NBA head coaching experience. But, I mean, at the same time, like I said, odds are stacked against her, but I think that if I think Colorado State would be really wise to at least send a flyer out to Becky Hammond to see if she would have any sort of interest in taking that head coaching job, because I think, and many others would probably think that that would be a slam dunk.
0: So I'm probably going to do an article on this because I, I, there's a lot of good points of why she should be in it, and I'll mention why not. But we'll see if you Stacy left. I know this has been wait we've been 30 minutes haven't talked about a single game outside of mentioning <laughs> Eric Mus- Yeah, Eric drinking habit to um, throw some shade at you, with the Diet, Diet Pepsi. But is there anything else we need to add? Because let's preface this. Obviously, we mentioned before this is Sunday. We're recording afternoon pre-Super Bowl. So you know what day that is. If something happens between, by the time you listen to this, we apologize. Because I'm thinking, like, no joke, I put on Twitter on Saturday, do not be shocked if he's let go during the Super Bowl. I know they want to have the appearance of not just firing him. Let's look into this again. Because, again, it took two years to get to the point where it came out what he did. And, he didn't stop his behavior during that time. This is gathering information. So they want to be prudent and take their time. But then again, second time it's happened, he's done this type of stuff in other locations. His interim coach, basically the same guy as Larry Stacey, multiple sources saying is the case that this, the guy is the same. He's not going to survive this. And I wouldn't be shocked. If you listen to this, he's already fired. It, it could happen. Yeah. Time will tell, but, all right.
1: You know, there, there's no situation where he's head coaching in Fort Collins next fall. That's just, that's not going to happen.
0: Let's take a timeout here. You may hear, you'll hear a little commercial break here. I need to uh, appear to take a break, even though we're going to jump back in here. But li- <laughs> li- whatever's here, listen, if you need to take a sip of water, Gatorade, soda, whatever you're drinking, grab a snack, pause it, come back. We'll be back in about 60 seconds to uh, talk some games. All right. So hopefully that was a good break for you. Let's get to games. Actual basketball. Let's just keep going. CSU, Nevada. Um. How did Nevada almost lose this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this on our own account. You have to give Colorado State all the credit in the world for hanging with Nevada. One of the surprises was Prentice Nixon coming off the bench. He wasn't even supposed to play in this game. Early in the week, Larry Eustacea ruled him out for this week and and hopeful that he would return the following Tuesday against Air Force, I believe. But he did show up. He, had, he knocked down a couple quick buckets, and, and Colorado State really hung with Nevada, even though... Um, Colorado State was pretty mismatched by this team, but it was close, and the Wolfpack had just enough to finish the Rams off in Fort Collins.
0: So yeah, they it's 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 we also mentioned a lot road wins are tough to come by, but yeah, the way see everything went stacking against CSU, it's like they nearly had this. They were closer to half, closer out than down the stretch, they end up losing by nine, but. They had four guys in double figures. Like, Jay bob had a pretty good game, even though he went 4 of 10. So have 13 points. They had guys, but, like, look at Nevada. Like, you had a pretty tough night for, like, Cody Martin, only five points. And Caroline struggled mightily as well, which they shot 36% and won the game. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't pretty.
0: They got the job done. This will help out throughout NCAA tournament stuff. You don't lose to the Rams on the road because it would be, what, a group two win or group three win maybe. I guess what saved them was their pristine free throw shooting down the stretch. What 81%, but these are games where if you're a good team like Nevada, you you come out to win these victories. You're finding a way if, you, if your star player <laughs> struggles. They got 10 bench points, which is pretty good for them. They usually don't get a ton of bench points because we you know I've mocked and said their bench is terrible because of scholarship reasons, but man, you go on the road, get a win, lots of stuff going on. I don't know if the Rams players were fired up because, okay, we got a... It's a different energy regardless. Like, okay. Definitely. And so it's... Rams just had a Performance was just pretty good by everybody. And did it um I guess the four players in double figures. Wasn't there something with um Nixon ankle bust again or something? He's like he's like he's hour by hour or something. Wasn't he to have the another injury update with him, I believe?
1: I mean he's he's been hobbled so much that that wouldn't surprise me. I haven't I don't believe I've seen that. Maybe yeah. I did, maybe I saw it scrolling through my Timeline, but yeah, he's he's been hobbled off and on. The team has just been gutted with injuries, and JD Page is out mm-hmm. uh, for at, at least a few more weeks. And they lost to Alonzo Tyson before the season even started. He was supposed to be one of their top JUCO transfers. It's a tough season for Colorado State, even besides all the eustachian news that we covered. But um, I believe this is now six straight losses for the Rams, and um, it was supposed to be a rematch of last year's conference tournament final and regular season uh, showdown. But it both, I mean, the other the programs are headed in different directions right now, and Nevada just enough in the tank to avoid a pretty tough road loss.
0: All right, sorry, I was going through some tweets. I saw Marcus Pfizer tweet supporting the Stacey, so it's whatever. It's we're not gonna go back in that. You heard plenty of, uh, enough of that. I just saw some. I was looking at Gene Cla- or not Gene Clavel, but um, Nixon's Twitter to see the injury thing. But nope, we'll just move on. We've heard enough. If you want to search Twitter, you can find people who like him and don't like them. But uh, let's go. Let's <laughs> yeah. go to the cra- let's go to the crazy game on Saturday. Um. Well, we got two of them, I guess. Fresno State at Wyoming. How- that was kind of unexpected, huh? Kinda. No, no. Wait. What? Hold on. You know, I sound unexpected. Not the, B- not the BPI. B BPI gets it again. Remember, they had Fresno as a half percent favorite. Oh my gosh! You remember they that? Did. Fifty point five to uh, forty nine, something like a one percent uh, difference. They were right again. How are they right? How do they get Fresno, who obviously a ton of credit? They played extremely well. But Wyoming is. Basically, it's weird. They lost the first no and CSU at home.
1: I don't know. It, it was kind of a confusing result, but Fresno State came out to play, and I've been saying it so many times this season. If Fresno State's court is, is playing well, if they bring their A game, it's going to be tough to beat the Bulldogs in the conference tournament because you have Nate Grimes, who's been playing excellent ball the last few weeks. Um, you have other guys stepping up. Like Terrell Carter's made some clutch plays. He had those blocks against Brandon, Brandon McCoy in the win over UNLV um bryson williams has been awesome he's he's very efficient down low so prepare that with a pretty solid perimeter team fresno state's going to be a really tough out but going to laramie and picking up that win that's pretty pretty huge for their seating in mountain West tournament. and definitely gives them some momentum going forward
0: it also doesn't help justin james has nine points he can go yeah, for thir- 30 plus single digits or 30 plus the bench did, didn't did do very well. They're shooting terrible. Like, Fresno, give them credit too. They're hot shooting. 50, 55% from the field, made 5-12 from three-point range. Wyoming tried to stick around by making 10-3s, but 10 of 29. It was just, they, they, they had to shoot them at the. Like, they were down from the get-go. This wasn't something where Fresno, like, it wasn't a slow build. They were up 16 at the half. Wyoming slowed down the pace and helped out a little bit to get close, but they still were outscored in the second half. They were never. This game was pretty much out of hand with the first 10 minutes or so. They were down 12-4. They were down 16-7. They were down 20-7 at the midway point in the first half. They were down 14, 16 points after a Hopkins layup midway through the first half. This was a game where Fresno just started off hot and kind of, once they had that 10-point lead, it was kind of always between that what, 8-14 to point range it seemed like.
1: It, it just seems to me, and we've discussed Wyoming a lot this season because they're kind of a perplexing team, but... They can look like they're one of the top three teams in the Mountain West, and then you can turn around a few days later and and just scratch your head about what the team has done. I, I mean, They've played, what, five overtime periods the last couple of weeks. Uh, they picked up that nice win over Nevada, or over ranked Nevada team, and then they go on the road and need overtime to beat San Jose State and Colorado State. And then they lose at home against Fresno, a, a team that they've had um, pretty good success against, especially in Laramie. Um. So it's it's tough to figure out what Wyoming's issue is, but they they don't offensive rebound very well. They're 345th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. Their turnover numbers have uh, have improved a bit as the season has gone along, but they still have some untimely issues that have resulted in some losses this year. And free throw shooting down the uh, in, in crunch time has been a bit of a question mark. So, um. It's, it's it's been hard to gauge Wyoming and of all the confusing teams that we have in the league this year I think Wyoming's probably at the top of that list
0: yeah because sitting right now the way the stadiums are three, four, five. Fresno State is 5th Wyoming or yeah Wyoming's 4th Fresno's 5th they both get that bye but it's weird because Fresno looking at who they have down the stretch the Air Force game could be interesting because that's coming they haven't played that game they go they host San Diego State is not very good this year like they could honestly they could beat San Diego State go to San Jose State and beat them, probably beat CSU at home, they might almost could win out the rest of their games. Cause they get, Here it is real quick again. Versus San Diego State, at San Jose State, versus CSU, at UNLV will be tricky. Hosting Wyoming, why not? At Air Force should be a win, but also the Wyoming Air Force's those Saturday-Monday games. And then mm-hmm. they go two to New Mexico who's been playing pretty good. So I honestly would not be shocked if they finish the season around the table. They could. I think they still
1: lose one, maybe yeah. two games. I think UN at UNLV or at New Mexico is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. I I think at New Mexico might be a bit more tough. I guess we'll I guess we'll see what the BPI says. Uh, but yeah, Fresno <laughs> yeah. State they'll be they'll be in the mix for a top three seed, and that puts them in a good position to make a run in the tournament. Um, let me ask you this: Do you have more faith in Fresno State or Wyoming at this point in the conference tournament? I know I know yesterday's mm. result is pretty lopsided, but there are definitely pros and
0: cons for either team. I still go with Wyoming because they have two guys who can score a ton of points. Mm-hmm. I think that's my reason. I know it's away from home, but with the way Justin James and Hayden Dalton play, those two guys can honestly combine for sixty points in any game. When you look at Fresno, yeah, it's st- possible. Yeah, when you look at Fresno State, yeah, you get Deshaun Taylor and what um what's the name off the bench? Scored twenty points last night in twenty five minutes. Um, geez, yeah, space- Nate Grimes. Yeah, sorry, Nate Grimes. He's, he's been showing up making some big plays. I want to say Nick Grimes. That's not the case though. But mm-hmm. then again, but then again, they have Jaron Hopkins and Deshaun Taylor. I, I would still probably lean toward Wyoming because they've beat Nevada. Fresno State has not done that. So you gotta take in those other victories as well. Yeah, they lost to Northern Colorado and CSU, but they're beaten they've beaten the best team in the conference. So I would still give them that edge because I think they can do a little bit more than Fresno, but the difference is pretty small. I can see both Fresno and Wyoming being a team to maybe pull off an upset, but I'd still lean toward Wyoming at this point. And even more so than New Mexico, because they're down like a million scholarship players.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. the injuries have definitely hit Mexico But I think you have you have Nevada and Boise State at the top, obviously And then there is a bit of a separation in tiers But I think that second tier that includes Wyoming and Fresno State Probably San Diego State just based on town alone in New Mexico With what they've done the last few weeks uh, Any given night, especially in Vegas, you never know what's going to happen Wyoming and Fresno State will not be easily beaten in the tournament I just, I just don't see them bowing out um, without at least some fight
0: and also, really quick, Sam Logwood was back, and they barely beat San Jose State the other night by three. So Yeah, it's it's
1: confusing, man. You, you just never know at this conference.
0: So who would you say is your number three team, then?
1: Well, New Mexico's been playing excellent. I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, their last couple performances haven't been um, all that enlightening, although they have been banged up, as you said. I think I'd either go Wyoming or Fresno State. Wyoming's inconsistencies have really uh, – um, Distance. I've distanced myself with Wyoming a little bit in terms of my faith for the conference tournament just with their inconsistencies. But I think I'd probably take Fresno State. Their front court's been a lot better than I was expecting heading into the year. And if you pair that with some good perimeter shooting, I think that's going to be a pretty tough out.
0: So, who'd you put? I'm asking this more specifically. Who do you put at number three in your power rankings this week? I think
1: I'll probably go Fresno State. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll probably go Fresno State at number three. That's a good call.
0: I just wanted to pin you down there. Give me an answer. <laughs> All yeah. right, let's get to Boise UNLV. Um, hey, Leon Rice rode a horse across campus. Awesome. How about that?
1: He'll do anything to sell out of Taco Bell arena.
0: He'll even light the court on fire.
1: <laughs> or swim across the Boise River. That, that guy's great. awesome.
0: He He's great. It's uh, They won 93-91. I, this is much closer than I expected because, obviously, at home, UNLV's been kind of uh, – they're only 5-5 five and five in league play now. They haven't been great. They've been just okay. But Rebels showed up, and Brandon McCoy nearly led him victory. He had the – Almost a tip in to get a victory at twenty four points. They a couple guys in double figures. A uh, uh, Johnson there did a good job. Jordan Johnson, McCoy man. He is he player of the year still? Who would be player of the year? Because or is it just Chandler Hutchinson? Is that where I think with? you got to go Hutchinson? Right? I don't think so. But like, yeah, the way they played, like this is a close drought. There was never a point in the game where you felt Boise was going to get the victory or UNLV. is back and forth. The difference in the game really was UNLV's three point defense still isn't great because they allowed Boise to go 13-32. And that counteracted Boise's only, what did they do, 45% from the field? Because UNLV shot very, very well, well over 50%, but it kept going, coming back, three-point, three-point shot. That's how, um, even though Chandler Hutchinson was one of eight, still kept chucking him. <laughs> yeah, and but Justinian
1: Jessup started to heat up. He had mm-hmm. that really cold stretch, and he's one of the best three-point shooters in the conference, if not the nation, but... He's heated up. He had 5 of 8 uh, last night from deep. And Boise State, I mean, they're tough to beat when they're hitting from 3, but just like with Colorado State against Nevada, I think you have to give UNLV a lot of credit for how they played against Boise State in Boise because the first time these two teams matched up, I mean, the score was only a 9-point deficit in favor of, of Boise State, but the game really wasn't all that close. Uh, Broncos could get just about anything they wanted, and, and UNLV struggled from the field. But UNLV forced overtime in the uh, road atmosphere, and in, like I said, it sold out Boise State, uh, Taco Bell Arena. So when, when McCoy and Juicin are on, and they had 41 yesterday and only missed a combined eight shots and attempted 22, UNLV can be just about anyone. And they, they did deal with foul trouble. Their top three scorers all had four fouls apiece. But, I mean, it was, it was a close one throughout, and it was not one that I was expecting to be that close. I thought Boise State could probably run away with this game.
0: Well, it's uh, this is a good victory to be uh, being challenged, and this also another point. UNLV could be a team that can make some noise in the tournament mm-hmm. because it, if you have one big guy who's that dominant, yeah, they're sitting at right now. They're projected to be in the uh, opening round games, but they're only one loss behind New Mexico for the three spot.
1: And they they've played a lot better as of late. I know that they had their inconsistencies the first three four weeks of turn of uh, of conference play and probably capped off with that uh, loss to Fresno State on the road. But they handled San Diego State. They they beat San Jose State at home, which, I mean, that's not <laughs> not throwing confetti for that one. But <laughs> they, they've they been playing a lot better as of late, and it's a team that you can see their potential, and, and it's definitely something that we saw in November and December when they were just blowing teams out. But when they all play together as a team, and they defend and, and really show some effort on the the defensive end, uh, they're definitely one of the top three, top four teams in the league, but they have to show some consistency because not until, what, four days ago, uh, they had won con- consecutive games, I-, I think, since December 20th or 22nd. So it's been a while, but they seem to be on the upswing, even despite the loss last night. All
0: right, let's uh, get to next week because we've talked a lot on this show min five minutes. Let's just keep with UNLV. They go to Nevada, tough boys at Boise at Reno. It's on CBS Sports Network at eight Pacific on Tuesday. Is that right? Uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday. Okay. All right, Eli. What's the BPI matchup here? <laughs> well, our favorite game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Nevada is about a seventy one percent
0: favorite. Eighty eight <88%. laughs> percent. Eighty eight. They are an eighty eight percent home okay. favorite. You can never trust a BPI. Or not? Maybe not. Trust, not excuse me. That's the wrong word. Not trust, but never know what the BPI is going to do.
1: Right, because they they have been doing pretty well. I remember the San Diego State Gonzaga game earlier this year when we weren't giving the Aztecs much of a chance, but BPI said it could be close, and Aztecs ended up winning that one.
0: Is this the? Um, I don't have it in front of me. This is the first matchup they have played against the or will play versus Wolfpack and Rebel.
1: Yeah, they they do uh, play the final day of uh, February as well.
0: Okay, all right. Let's make it sure. Tr- oh, um, oh, final day of February. Yeah. So I. I don't see – this will be a good matchup because McCoy going up against uh, Caroline or Martin, whoever's going to guard him, that'll be a tough matchup. And so that will be – if you're going to watch the game, I even though Nevada should win fairly fairly easily, I would say, it's probably one of the bigger games of the week just because see what McCoy can do on the road and against a team that – they play pretty good defense there in Nevada, I would say.
1: I think yeah, – yeah, definitely. I think on paper this matchup seems to favor Nevada by quite a bit. Especially uh, like a, like what BPI says but <laughs> in terms of matchups I think UNLV definitely has a shot because defending McCoy and Juicin when they're on is going to be really tough because Nevada just doesn't have a ton of size down low especially after um, they lose their big man Williams from St. John's so uh, Caroline's going to have to step up defensively, the Martin Twins are going to have to be good defensively Lindsey Drew will also have a tough matchup in Jordan Johnson so Matchup-wise, I think this is a very in, in, intriguing game because you have talent all over the floor and just about every one-on-one matchup is going to include pretty talented players. So both of these games, uh, we have February 7th, Wednesday night this week um, in Reno and then the return game, the final day of February, that's Wednesday, February 28th in Vegas. I think both of these games should be pretty close just based on how these teams match up. It'll be an interesting uh contrast and styles of how these two teams play but both of the both of the games should be pretty entertaining i'd imagine
0: they should be there's a lot of good games this week this is one of the better weeks we've had in a while because typically we're like oh just watch one game what don't worry about this one watch this or like there's been mm-hmm. very few games this week all right we got csu air, csu air force just because of the coaching thing boise at new mexico over at um Dream Oof. style slash pit. That could be interesting because... I'm, I'm going
1: to take a low as in that one. Yeah.
0: Oh, you are? Oh, Okay, wait. In that case, BPI time. Uh-oh. What do you got? I
1: think BPI says Boise State's a 68% favorite.
0: Close. 57% favorite mm, okay. for Boise... Wait, wait! I didn't say the team. No, for Boise. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remember you're last you're time we, for, we yeah. had the we had the Fresno Wild game that was a uh, favored for the uh, for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost had it for a second. I think I think New Mexico, as long as they're at
0: least moderately healthy, I think they find a way to win this game. Because they got Logwood back, so if, if that may make a difference or not. He's having more players who are on scholarship are good. So that that one's on ESPNU at uh, seven Pacific out there. At, there and then San Diego State at Fresno. That's always a. Um, just to see what Fresno does at home because Aztecs are not very healthy and people on Twitter are getting after us. Well, who cares if we're not in the uh, top opening round games, we'll be healthy for the tournament, make some noise. That could be the case. But then again, you don't want to be seated so far down where you're playing. Yeah, you're healthy, but even if they're healthy, I'd still put them maybe fourth or fifth at best. And so you don't want to be sitting at nine, 10 or 11. I don't think they will be 11, but seated that ninth spot and playing per a decent team who could be, I would well, look later, but could be a decent team in that first round game. Then it, Game one, you're playing freaking Nevada. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want to be at that spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't even want to play in that first-round game because that's just another 40 minutes that uh, you have to play that, that long weekend. So Fresno State's had San Diego State's number these last few years. They, they won on the road in Viejas earlier this season. Um, last year, they, they split the series with San Diego State. They won again in Viejas in, in February. Lost the game at home, and then the year before that, they beat San Diego State in the Mountain West tournament to punch a bid to the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and also beat San Diego State in the regular season. So, uh, Bulldogs have played San Diego State about as well as anyone in this conference. So, I, I definitely favor Fresno State in this one. I think they'll they'll find a way to get it done at home.
0: All right, so let's go to Saturday really quick. Uh, there's that t- again, not a ton on Saturday. I guess the big game Aztecs at Wolfpack was well, supposed to be a big game. But what do you think of that one? Because it's scheduled for an actually an early evening game on ESPN two. So people were speculating this would be a good one. I just don't see the Aztecs getting it done on the road. And like you just mentioned, they could, they're a better team. But how healthy is it? like Trey Kell and other guys? I just don't see it coming down to a victory for the Aztecs on Saturday, on the road against. Yeah, Nevada.
1: I mean Trey Kell, I mean for sure that, he'll 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 miss this game. Yeah, um, that's what he'll, he, he could be out until about conference play somewhere around there is what uh, Mark Ziegler reported earlier this week. So that's a big loss for them. I, I think San Diego State keeps this game close. I don't really have an explanation for that, but I feel like these are two teams that really get after it. San Diego State is going to, I mean, Nevada's the the hunted right now. Everyone's trying to get after Nevada, and Wyoming was able to pull it off just a few weeks ago. But I think San Diego State keeps this game close. I, I do believe that uh, Nevada finds a way to finish him off, but I just don't see this game ending up as a blowout. I think uh, San Jose State keeps it within a few possessions.
0: All right, just a really quick BPI, I'll just say it here 81% for Nevada. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. And what I mean at UNLV might be interesting. Same time on CBS Sports Network, just because there's, those are two wild card I think we mentioned before, the prob- well, like as as I guess Fresno, but two wild card teams for the tournament. So that's something you want to watch out for. Let's play one more time before we wrap it up here, because that's an interesting matchup. mean UNLV, just because they're kind of a. Uh, up and down teams. Give me your guess. First off, who do you think is favored in this matchup? I think, I think, uh, I think
1: UNLV is favored.
0: Okay, and what's the percentage you're going to give them?
1: Fifty-two.
0: Not even close. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> Rebels are eighty-four point two percent. Oh my
1: gosh. All Sick. right. Well, Whatever. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. Whatever emoji. Sure. Why not?
1: I think uh, my one hot take this week. I think whatever the line is for New Mexico against Boise State, I think you, I think you take the Lobos in that one. Is it out yet at the moment? It's is I, uh, I don't think the, I don't think the line's out yet. But at the pit, I feel like that's going to be a, a trap game for Boise State.
0: Could be because they're a slight favorite. Let's see if I can find it really quick here. If they have because we got we said the fifty-seven percent favorite favorite in this game. Um, you can buy tickets on this page. Um, We'll find that later. I, I'm betting. If I was going to gonna take a guess, I bet Broncos are probably be like a four point favorite. If that's about it, something. I think close. yeah, I think
1: about three or four. That that sounds about right.
0: We'll have they'll have more updates later because basketball they do like usually maybe two days before. And this game is uh is it a Wednesday game? The sixth or is it the Tuesday? Uh, t- game? It's Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So look, well maybe it'll be out Monday. By the time you hear this, we'll sound dumb and say, "Dummies, the line's this." <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I got. This is a long show. We went sixty five minutes. First half, a lot of you stacey talk because, and hopefully it's not for nothing, Eli. Because if he's fired in ten minutes, I'm going to be upset.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hop off this podcast, and the the news will already be out, and I'll have to hop back on the computer and type up a quick article.
0: Uh, well, Actually, let's double check real quick. Let me go to Matt Stevens. He's a good guy to check out on Twitter. Out the Coloradoan, or no? Excuse me, no, former Colorado Denver Post deputy sports editor, I believe is his official title. Um, don't see anything yet. Nothing yet. Um, nothing yet. But he's not. Uh, I'll say it right now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He's not going to be the coach the rest of the season or ever at CSU. He's done. I'm calling it right now. He is out as head coach.
1: Dad, it's 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 just not going to happen. I don't see that happening. It it just wouldn't make any sense.
0: Wait, wait, that he stays. Or, yeah, that, that he would stay. I mean, no, it, he's gone. No, yeah, he's gone. He's he, gone. Just, I'm like, wait, what did I say? I thought I said something weird. But no, he, <laughs> he's 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 not going to be the coach the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I, my, yeah, my recommendation, Becky Hammond, right now, give her the job. I don't care.
1: It'll be interesting to see which names pop up because I think you know, Colorado State might dig into some of the mid low major head coaches that have had success. But as we've seen in the past, a lot of power conference teams are interested in those guys. But. Um, I'll have to do some research and see which uh candidates pop up, but we'll see if Carlos so can land a good hire.
0: We will look on that now because we'll go see who former assistants under Tim Miles what they're up to, any CSU Rams connections. But honestly, if you want to, I not, wouldn't have to dive into it again forever, but it's like a great high, like just a good story, too. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. That's, I think, her number's retired. I, is it for both men's and women's or number 25? I know it's retired.
1: I, I don't know. If that's... I don't, I'm
0: not sure if it's both. I'm, usually it's usually per program. But I to me, that would make the most sense. Not that you need a goodwill story, but it's an alumni coming back who has all the experience needed. But that's all we got. No need to do it anymore. Have fun. Um, Tell us what you eat for Super Bowl Sunday because it's going to be over by the time you hear this. But <laughs> check us out, as always, mwr.com Facebook, MWC Wire. Mount West wire, Twitter, all the just put in Mount West Wire, you'll find us. Give us a review on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. Um, where else we had Eli, um, we're Pocket Cast. I don't know. Where do you get five your,
1: stars, likes, retweets, all that kind of stuff?
0: Where do you get your podcast from? What's your method of delivery?
1: It literally says podcast on my iPhone, uh, so I guess it's the Apple Podcast.
0: Apple Podcasts. Yeah, right, I use Pocket Cast. I'm a, so. I'm a simple person. <laughs> no, that's fine. I Android's a bit tricky. Stitcher's not always up to date all the time. They're a little finicky. I paid my three bucks one-time fee to Pocket Cast, and it has not done me wrong once. So there you go. My ask my recommendation this week: uh, Pocket Cast, and um, visit our website. And we'll be back for more basketball stuff later. Peace out, folks.